This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church is South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.church forward slash south. I forgot about the plural with the apostrophe because I haven't done this in a little while because I was gone last week. Missed you. Did you miss me, Dave? A little bit. Oh, good. Stacy. Welcome back, Daniel. Thank you, Stacy. Did you did did the staff generally miss me? Or was it like a breath of just a little bit of relief? No. People's we pulses mm-hmm. kind of slowed down. We missed you. Okay. Good. It was quieter around here. Which is bad or good? It just is. Neither. Okay. Yep. All right, great. Strengths and weaknesses. Amen. <laughs> so speaking of uh staff at South. A number of us, I found out, shared the same anniversary month, which I imagine is probably the uh, the case for a number of people. I think the, the most popular month for getting married in the United States is June. And it so happens that I have an anniversary on June 14th mm. with Natalie. Stacy has an anniversary with Peter on June 15th. And Dave has an anniversary with Kelly on June 30th. Wow. So I figured we'd start just with the random questions, just talking about wedding anniversaries. So what what did you do for your wedding anniversary, Stacy? The this this, this year? year. Or yeah. in general, the kind of thing you would do. Mm. Does Peter take you out to like a nice steak dinner and a movie or what do you do? Well, usually yeah, we would go out for a nice dinner or, you know, sometimes he's taking the day off if kids are you know, occupied with other people and um, just spend the day together. One year we went to Minnehaha Falls and walked around and went out. Um, This year we we both were actually sick, so we ordered takeout and ate dinner on the deck. Whoa, what did you order for takeout, Stacey? Um, I think we just we just had Chipotle, actually. Chipotle? Yep. Did you get the super spicy stuff to try to burn the sick out? No, that would have been a good idea, though. Yeah, so we were just low-key... Full on this year. Ideas. Next Loki? year's are the Marvel movie, the Marvel series, Loki. Loki. Oh, Loki. I I did watch the first episode of that though was last that com- week. Was that compelling for you, Stacy? Yeah, it was. It was all right. Did you derive yep. anything that you could use in your counseling world from Loki? No. Okay. He's kind of no. No. Okay. Um, but next year's our big twenty year. So. Oh, you've been married nineteen years. What are yes. you going to do for your twentieth? I don't okay. know. Hopefully, in it includes ideal... a trip to Hawaii. <gasps> Hawaii, to help the Brunos. I I don't know. It could be a combined thing. Uh, you know, so that you could justify the expense better. Yep. And raise money for it. Yep. So if you get a support letter from Stacy in twenty twenty two, just realize that you are not funding only a ministry trip, but also their anniversary trip. Could be. You know, mm, just help we'll us just out a little that bit. That's the case. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, Dave. <laughs> What would you normally do? You take time off for your anniversary. Is that typically the case? Yeah. So Kelly's birthday and our anniversary always fall within a week of each other. Okay. And so we, I normally That doesn't kinda, shift around very much then? No, it doesn't. Always falls within a week of yep. each other? Okay. All right. Because it's the same days every oh, year, you know. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So we, uh, so, so yeah, normally I'll take the week off of work, find someone else to preach, Take no. Actually, normally take eight or nine days off. Yeah, one kind of on the front, one in, one on the back end of it, just in case there's there's some yeah. flexibility there. So I'm doing that this year again, and we normally kind of do a staycation where we 
as a family, we'll go around our favorite spots, mm. Minnehaha Falls, Como Zoo, Grand Ole Creamery. Oh, and St. Mm. Paul. Um, you know, we, there's just spots that we like where, to hit. Where would you go if you were going to take Kelly out? Like you're going to do Bourbon Butcher in Farmington or something like that? Mm. Where, do and you know it, where you're going this year? Ooh. Not yet. Okay. No, we, uh, we, uh, we, we, normally, we normally switch it up for anniversary, so we'll try somewhere new. Or we'll go like... T- Every once in a while, we'll go to an old favorite. So there's a place. Uh, when we were first married, we lived in uh, Roseville, and then we lived in uh, Arden Hills. And there's a place right between Northwestern and Bethel, this old building kind of up on this little hill called Lindy's Steakhouse. Mm. And they have, like, man, they have, like, the best, the best steak, potatoes, salad. So every once in a while, we'll head back there. All right. And kind of binge. Way binge to be there. Yep. Who's uh, preaching for you this year while you're away? You. Oh, who preached for you last year while you were away? I don't remember. Me. You? Who preached for you the year before while you were away? Jason? I think so, actually. <laughs> I think Jason. it was Jason. I don't that think is I, right. No, July one, 4th, no one was really preaching for me at that July point. The week of July 4th is international youth pastor gets to take a swing. No. Hmm. Slash youth pastor's damage from his sermon gets mitigated against day. <laughs> well, you're not the youth pastor well, this year now, Daniel. Anymore. Plus, that's not mm-hmm. how we think of things around I, I here. Know. That's silly. I know. That's just what. Silly. Well, I'm very tongue in cheek. Well, just today on the podcast. Don't be so insecure. We, have, we love you here. That's, I'm, I'm secure. We're fine. Today on the podcast, we are talking about a topic that we conceived up of 30 minutes ago. To talk about biblical fellowship. Dave, when I say the word fellowship, what comes to mind? What comes to my mind or what kind of what, what's the general thing we think of? Sure. Both. Bo- both. Uh, I think when most people think of fellowship, they think of kind of the, the hanging out, uh, the sharing. So like Wednesdays. Wednesday nights this, uh, this summer, we're just doing lots of hanging out, lots of talking, eating together, spending time together, getting to know each other. So that's fellowship. Splashing each other with buckets of water. Some of us are doing that to some others of us. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I think that's what we normally think of, and that's certainly part of it. Um, but then I also think of just like in Philippians 1, five, where it talks about fellowship in the gospel, which is which is really a reality we always have, a reality we're always living and these different things we do, whether it be, you know, worship on Sunday together, hanging out and playing games last night uh, for an hour on a Wednesday night, uh, women's Bible study, uh, small groups, uh, community outreach events together. All of that is us participating in Christ, in the gospel together as a family. And so it's all, those are all just expressions of fellowship. Yeah, that's good. When I say the word fellowship, Stacy, what do you think of? Just what's a what's an instance in your life of this was really sweet fellowship? Mm. Well, I'm the counselor, so I'm always like, you know, drawn to like the deep, you know, moments mm. connecting with people at like a heart level. Okay. And so, um, where does that happen best in your office on your back deck? Both. Over Zoom. Not as much. You know, okay. it can happen right. over Zoom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think just 
when I think of fellowship, actually what was coming to mind as Dave was sharing was it might have been a quote from, I think, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, okay. Life Together, I've heard where of that he pictures like, um, he describes like when you're with another Christian, it's like Christ is between the two of you, like with you and is connecting you like you're united in him. And because of him, you have that, that un- unity um, and fellowship that you, you wouldn't have with another person in that yeah. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what is in my mind. And yeah. as I'm, you know, meeting or talking with people, I kind of have that in the back of my mind. Is everything cherries and cream when it comes to Christian fellowship in churches, Dave, or are things less than cherries and cream, more like curdled milk and I don't know, burnt walnuts. <laughs> I just had to think of something similar to cherries. I don't know how to respond to that analogy. <laughs> it's a bad cherries analogy. Cherries and cream or turtle a, milk and burnt walnuts. It's a bad analogy. I'm, I'm oh, in rare form great. today. Just, I mean, is, does the mere existence of church instantly create what you guys just described as fellowship? Oh, that's a good question. I think that the, the obvious answer that I'm even thinking of from like Ephesians 4 is that we have to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit yeah. and the bond of peace. So I would say yes and no. It's one of those one of those ways that answer. We do have what I was describing from Philippians 1.5, fellowship in the gospel. Philippians 2.1 calls it fellowship in the spirit. Mm-hmm. We do have that as Christians. Uh, we we have it. We have it in this room because we believe in Jesus. But it's also something to be cultivated, grown, maintained. And if you have to maintain something, it means that in some way it can be broken down. Yeah. It can be beat up and you have, to, you have to work at it. Yeah. I performed a wedding recently that was uh, the husband and the wife, uh, the bride and the groom, were from two different cultures with a language barrier between them. And it was interesting to see uh, how in Christ, both of these cultures, Mm. just at the wedding where the gospel was being spoken and some of it was being translated into another language, that there was instant unity, like a, or at least a sense of that unity across different churches and different cultures that I think gets exactly what Stacy was saying, what you're saying, Dave, that transcends everything else, ever, any, any particular opinion, any particular skin color, any particular nationality or anything else, merely on the basis of being in Christ together. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about fellowship or unity, we're certainly talking about that mm-hmm. to some degree. Mm-hmm. How do churches try to support, create, uh, you know, so Dave's assertion, and I think this is exactly right from the Bible, we have unity and we must maintain it. How do churches work sometimes to create a sense of unity or a sense of fellowship that perhaps is not really what the Bible is talking about? Like, what ways do churches, like, try to create Mm. um, what is already theirs um, and maybe ways that we would say are, are not the biblical ideal? Anything come to mind? If this is a long pause, Ethan can edit it out later. Thanks, Ethan, for joining us today. I think that sometimes what we can try to do, and certainly I don't want to to talk about others. We can certainly do it too here. Um, Let's not talk about our own church, Dave, just others. We're good. 
everything else is messy, but we're not messy. Um, <laughs> what we can certainly try to do is we can try to um, do it based on like affinities or rules. Um, Talk about affinities. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so we can make like affinity we, stones. We, <laughs> like there's five of them. And we can we can make uh, we can make our church the six church of them. Sorry, the, 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 the church of fill in the blank. Like our church is about this. Our church is about that. And what you do is you try to. Uh, I think you try to unify by not having any diversity, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, you you unify by your affinities. We're about this. Um, or the rules one, you know, you say we're a church that doesn't do this or we're a church that, it, you know, doesn't stand for this. or we're a church that stands against this. Um, and so there's ways I think where and, I, and, I, and, and, and I think that there's there's uh, there's ways to do those things that are right. So there, there, there are things we should stand against. There are things we ought to be about. But I think sometimes we do that because it's a way to, you know, build unity that is quicker, uh, easier than simply, man, we got to maintain this by keeping short accounts and loving each other in Christ and forgiving each other and working through conflict and learning to appreciate that other people have different diverse gifts and passions than I do in the body of Christ. So I've, I've seen that, uh, once in a while, and, and though there, there are good things to stand against and there are good things to be for, I think sometimes it can be kind of a shortcut that normally uh, isn't as helpful as a longer-term view. Sure. Stacy, do you have any thoughts, maybe uniquely from the counseling world or just other perspectives you've had as being you know, a believer in Jesus for a while, where churches try to artificially manufacture something? Well, I, I guess I was just thinking of, you know, and maybe we've talked about this before, but, you know, only loving others that are like me or have similar beliefs as me. And it's easy to do that. But when I have to do the hard work of loving someone that I maybe I don't agree with them on everything, um, maybe all we really have in common is Jesus, which is definitely enough. But the, then I have to, like, surrender to the Spirit, helping me love this other person. That's where I really learn how to love somebody else when it's hard, you know, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to learn that if it was just someone that I is just like me, you know, either culturally or beliefs um, about different things. And so it's really an opportunity to grow in learning how to love others. Yeah. Amen. Um, you'll look up the text here real fast. Um, so the Greek word that's translated in our Bible as hospitality, mm-hmm. here I am, the pastor for membership and mobilization, making my first plug at hospitality. This is Hebrews 13.2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The literal word for hospitality is xenophilia or xenophilos. I can't remember how the, the ending is supposed to be in Greek, but love of strangers. So there's a biblical command to show Love for strangers, and that's where we get our word for hospitality from, mm-hmm. uh, which is exactly what Stacy I think, is is stabbing at. I mean, if I were to love only balding, red-headed, five-foot-four <laughs> men in my fellowship, I would not have very many people to love. 
but that's the beauty of and that's very tongue in cheek. You know, I'm I'm joking, but the beauty of Ephesians four and the diversity that God has created mm-hmm. out of the one, there are many. Mm-hmm. I mean, God did e pluribus unum long before America was on the scene, mm-hmm. and before any attempt by that in the Roman Empire mm-hmm. or any other nation ever since, God was doing that, and that testifies to the power of the gospel mm-hmm. when it is not only an affinity or not only loving others that are like us, but where young love old, old love young. Um, how are some ways in which Bethlehem imperfectly attempts to have that kind of ethos about what we're doing? Um, what, what, what ways do we seek to see uh, people loving others or the kinds of things that we do publicly to um, to help foster and maintain that kind of unity Hmm. out of the many one or out of the one many. Yeah, I was thinking of, um, as you were talking about Hebrews, I was thinking of uh, 1 Peter uh, 4, 9, where it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So there's a a stranger love for each other as strangers and sojourners in this world, I think. is The hashtag's going to come out of that. Stranger love. Stranger love. Instead of stranger danger, stranger love. I, uh, uh, Bill Zwicky, I don't know if he listens to this, but after a couple of sermons ago, he wanted to start a strange blood-bought family because I talked about the strange family in Acts 13. It's just a little too long, Bill. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. A little too long. But right after that, it talks about how as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. And it walks through various gifts, and then it talks about how those various gifts uh, actually bring glory to God as the giver of the various gifts and the strength that he supplies. So I think one way that we're you know, one one thing people have heard me say a lot and heard many of us on staff and elders say a lot is that, you know, there's no there's no spectator, no spectator sport or no, there's no spectating in the church. Um, only so, participation. Only participation. Mm-hmm. And so as we all participate with different gifts and different passions, it's going to stir up a kind of a appreciation for one another. That's going to build unity, hopefully only in the gospel. Oh build unity people people are running around the room taking pictures right now <laughs> my wife just texted me and said what are you doing today and i said here let me show you and that's awesome that's all i'm Go not ahead. running around the room dave i'm moving to one corner to get a photo and running back and forth it's not a little working. bit but uh but so I, th- I think that everyone participating using their gifts and their passions in different ways is going to create a pre- an appreciation for one another and a unity and then i'd say everything we do do we're really trying to create spaces for this kind of fellowship and unity so you know a a prayer gathering one of the one great way to foster unity is to listen to other people pray Mm. to hear their burdens to um to care for them to love them that way uh when we come together to worship and we hear each other's voices in worship i i would hope it would foster kind of fellowship in christ we're all worshiping the same god we're all worshiping the same Savior, yeah. um, or when we sing, yeah. "Death was arrested," yeah. you know. Well, and saints in their seventies and eighties sing this song that's new, and the youth are used to. Or when we sing, "Great is Thy faithfulness," and standing 15, on the promises, mm-hmm. standing on the promises. Just sang it last week. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there are 
young singing that along with older, Amen. that fosters what is already present. That's right. Yeah. Um, just by by doing that. So you're saying you're saying something that's I think that the Bible actually puts forward for us, and I'm getting at it from a little bit different angle. That we actually uh, it's good to sometimes not get exactly what we want or not just hang out in our own preferences because then it makes shine forth what actually unites us or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like in all of our, you know, the groups and like Bible studies and classes that we have, like we're always aiming at um, love of God and love of each other. And so hopefully this is woven into everything that we do Mm -hmm. here. Um, of course, growing in that, but I think that's the goal. Amen. Um, how does church programming fit into what we're talking about here? We have these demographically targeted ministries. Bring your kids, put them in the nursery while you go to adult Sunday school and your teenagers go and get, you know, big grizzly Metcalf, you know, in the youth room. Um, friendly grizzly Metcalf in the youth room. Um, and like, are these things potentially distractions Mm -hmm. from the kind of thing that we're talking about or can they actually serve what we're talking about? Or is it just, yes, of course they could be a distraction or of course they could serve. And what's the difference between those two? Well, we certainly hope that they're serving and the way that they would serve is what Stacy just said. If if all of it is aimed at love of God and love of one another, uh, love of neighbor, you could say, uh, whether that's a church neighbor or that's a real neighbor in your neighborhood, uh, we hope that all all things are pointing that direction. And as we foster love of God and love of neighbor, then hopefully we're going to get lined up on yeah. the main things yep. that unite us both in what we treasure and what our mission is. Um, you know, so if we think of the mission as fulfilling the great commission by the great commandments, uh, so we want to go make disciples. How do we do that? We love God. We love our neighbors. Then hopefully it's, it, it's an aligning thing, you know. So I think, I think that's the goal. Our, our, the, and that's one of the reasons we actually do all that stuff at the same time is that we, we want to give opportunities to grow. So, you know, there's all sorts of things we do, Wednesday night meals, um, nights of worship, prayer meetings, uh, Wednesday night fellowships, uh, Sunday morning worship, where all ages are together. And and we value that. We value kind of the family, multi-generational worship model in some settings. But then there are some settings where it's just going to be more helpful for an age-appropriate delivery, you could say, of the same truth we all love. So one of the things I loved about, for example, our children's ministry is that Apollos... Uh, was getting the same thing from Sarah as Iris was getting um, from, you know, from Kylie Breezley. And we would talk about it on the car ride home. And we would talk about it at their age-appropriate levels, but they're all being united in the in the redemptive story and mm-hmm. the greatness of God and the Savior that saved them. And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and so I think, I, I think there are ways where... If we never came together in a multi-generational way, I think that'd be really unhealthy. But I think that that these ways that we do kind of spread out in age groups is also really healthy because you just, I mean, anyone who's ever been a parent or been around little kids just knows you just talk differently to your four-year-old than you do to your 10-year-old. 
And so that's, it's just a helpful way to you do, do that. that. You talk I, differently? I do. Them? Yeah. Okay. I should probably learn from you. That's good. I, I talk different to, to Eden than I do to Cademan, which should be obvious by the water fights I got into last night. Um, so, Stacey, anything you'd add to what Dave said? I, I agree with what he just said. Yeah, I think there it's good and right to have appropriate, um, you know, developmental places for kids. And, you know, we're, our goal is, like, that they're going to grow up. Like, they're, they're, mm. they're growing up so that they can participate in the body, you know, when they're adults and um, love God and love neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, we're just talking about, really, honestly, what the Bible mm-hmm. is talking about when the Bible does things like children obey your parents Mm -hmm. fathers don't provoke your children Um, you know take your pick there's just multiple angles at which the bible speaks specifically to specific people in specific situations to women to men to old to young Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. at least in our american evangelical setting we try to help in that direction by know giving some programming that's targeted certain ways um for for people so um fast forward let's fast forward 25 years it is now 2046 2046 has come and gone stacy is a grandmother dave is a great grandfather i don't (laughs) know if that's true it's probably overstating we're all grandparents now uh, 25 years from now, um, where would it be in your mind's eye, like that you would say South Campus? I hope in 25 years has this sense of fellowship. Like, what has changed in 25 years? About I mean, South Campus has been around 16 years now, or this year. This is yeah. year 15. This is year 15. 15 years and 150 in years. September. Man. Oh yeah. So. Uh, what what would you say would be ideal about fellowship at Bethlehem in twenty five years, Bethlehem South? Yeah, I mean it's I don't I don't know any way to answer specifics about what the what the programming will look like or anything like that. But my prayer would be that we would be a people that is firmly united around Christ, fellowshipping in Him, and and I pray it's the kind of deep fellowship that multiplies itself. So uh, the kind of fellowship that says this is so good, Christ is so good, he's so worth it, that we're going to go plant a church. Uh, Christ is so good, he is so good, that we're going to go to the nations. Uh, Christ is so good that we're going to love the neighbors and the the culture around us that hates us because Christ is worth it. Um, So, uh, you know, a place, I love the way, Daniel, you do welcomes. and just the way you remind us that the most important thing about Bethlehem is not necessarily all the distinctives we have, though we all love those, but just that what is most important is that Christ really did come and live a perfect life. He really died a substitutionary death. He really rose again. He really ascended and is reigning at the right hand, and he's really coming back. And if we, you know, I always, I love the phrase, I forget where it is now, um, but I love the phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I would just love us to be a people that just give our lives to digging in deeper to the unsearchable riches, making that such a first priority that all these second tier frustrations and, uh, and, and 
all just the ugliness, you know, the, the ugliness that comes when when that's not in first place, that just falls away. And Christ is loved and cherished and known and made known in a million different ways. So I hope all of our programming and all of our preaching and all of our small groups and all everything we do helps people do that more in 25 years. If that's happened, yeah, I'll be, I'll yeah. be happy. Mm-hmm. Amen. We're in the middle of a lull right now in programming with summer going on, but very soon fall programming will be rolling around and we love to see volunteers plugged into ministries for the sake of um, the growth of our discipleship together. There's a book out there called The Trellis and the Vine. Stacy Thorpe will buy three copies for the first three people that reach out and contact her from her ministry budget. Well, the Trellis and the Vine just creates this, uh, this kind of, no, I'm kidding. I will do it. I'm the pastor for ministry and mobilization. Membership mobile, mob, Sorry. ministry member. I haven't even, Daniel, I'd love one. I've never actually read that one. You've never read that one? Mm-mm. I've Can heard enough about it. Can that be our next staff book? That we read through together you since had, my first one didn't get... You had mm. another one you wanted to read. You should so tell people about your other one. We're reading gosh. that in another group together. Are we? Yeah. Okay, uh, good. Oh, that's Church right. Planet. That's what it is. Uh, so there's a great book. It's called Trellis in the Vine. Uh, Colin Payne, Tony Marshall. Uh, just a, this analogy of discipleship is like a vine growing, and it needs a trellis to grow. It needs, like, organization to grow. But if you build the trellis too big, the, the vine uh, is neglected. There's another book called Compelling Community by Jamie Dunlop and Mark Dever, two pastors out in Washington, Washington, there's my Ohio coming through, Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., just talking about how how can you tell that the Holy Spirit is present in your community? What are the signs of that actually happening and all these different things? It's a great book. And then I know Stacy's going to mention this other book by a guy named J.T. English called Deep Discipleship. It's a great book that I haven't read. Why don't you tell us about it, Stacey? You know, I, yeah, it is a great book. I actually was going to mention that I have read The Vine Project. Oh, you read part two? I read that. I I had to read that. We should read part two. Deep Discipleship. It's about discipleship in the church. We're going to read that as a staff starting in July. Deep Discipleship. Then we can read Compelling Community after that. All right, guys. Anything else about this topic you'd want to add? This overly long podcast. All right. Thanks for joining us today.